I am so happy that you're able to join us for this extended interview. Make sure to visit theoffbeatlife.com. Again, that's theoffbeatlife.com to get more killer resources. Hey friend, are you looking to land a remote gig ASAP? Well, did you know that we not only have a ton of online jobs you can apply to on our site, but now we are also sending them straight to your inbox. I'm happy to announce that we will be sending our email subscribers legit online jobs every Wednesday. We have done hours of research so you don't have to. If you want to be the first one to hear about the remote gigs we find, go to theoffbeatlife.com to subscribe. Hey everyone, thank you so much for being here for this extended interview with Seppi where she's going to share how Americans can move to Europe and take their remote jobs abroad. Hi Seppi, how are you? Hey Debbie, I'm great. How are you? I'm wonderful. Thank you so much for being here with us. Before we get to all of your incredible tips and tricks, can you tell us about you and why you live an offbeat life? Yes. So I am an American. I'm from Texas living in Spain and I live an offbeat life because I did this at 35 is when I yeah took the plunge, left my comfort zone and moved over here to Spain. It's been eight years now and it's just been an incredible adventure. And I'm so grateful to my younger self for taking that leap and making it happen. Absolutely. You definitely made the right choice for yourself and now you're reaping the benefits, which is what we love. And one of the things that we're going to talk about today, which I know a lot of people are interested in, I'm interested in it, is how can Americans actually move to Europe and do this um, maybe permanently, maybe semi-permanently, because it seems like there's a lot of process, like legal process, that someone like me who's kind of intimidated by all of that stuff. So can can you take us through that, Seppi? Yes. Well, I first want to dispel some myths here because I think people just assume that you have to be rich, you have to marry a foreigner, you got to get transferred with your job, or you have to teach English to move to Europe. And I just want to say like that doesn't have to be the case. I mean, those are paths, but if you don't fit into that box, don't worry. There are other ways to do it. You know, it can be intimidating because I think one, people don't understand what their options are, but there are a lot of options for you out there. And a lot of those are just going to come down to your visa options. So for anyone interested in moving to Europe, you really have to look at what visas are out there and which ones you qualify for. So when we talk about Europe, there's about, I don't know, 44 countries out here. As an American, you probably won't be able to move to all of them because some of them, let's just be honest, are really hard to get through the immigration process. There's probably not a visa option for you, but there is about 18 of them that you have a good shot at moving to. So do you have any recommendations of like the easiest countries that maybe someone should look into? Yes, definitely. So one, I actually, during the pandemic, I wrote a book about this because I was like, oh, my community for women age over 30 who want to move abroad, this question kept coming up. Like, I want to move to Europe, but I just can't find a way. And um, I just had met so many Americans living in all of these European countries and myself had learned about all these different visas, especially also living in Spain and being on multiple visas. I just knew there were many paths. So I actually wrote a visa guide for Americans who want to move to Europe, going over the 18 easiest countries and highlighting over 50 visa options. So I've laid it out, but I do want to just share kind of what are some of those easiest visa options for you. For anyone who wants to move to Europe, I would say focus on these four visa types. So one is a student visa. 
Another one is the digital nomad visa, and those keep popping up all over the place. Spain just released theirs last year, as well as Portugal. There's these things called retirement visas or non-lucrative visas, um, and you don't have to be retired to qualify for those. And then last is a freelance visa. So I can talk more about those, but those are the four you should probably focus on if you want to move to Europe. Mm. Interesting. And then what do you need to to be able to get them? You just There's just certain things that they require. Um, and is it, I mean, I guess for, for people who are over a certain age, I guess, like um, a student visa, usually, I mean, I'm not gonna say, you know, sometimes we're all students somehow, in some way, but, (laughs) (laughs) or you mentioned about retirees, and you said you don't have to retire, like, what, what are those including that will allow you to to do that properly? Yeah, this is a great question because this is what you need to know to find out if you qualify for the visa. So student visas um, aren't limited by age. You just have to, one, get accepted to an academy, like a language academy or university, to be able to qualify for this visa, as well as show that you can financially support yourself while you're studying because student visas typically don't allow you to work. Although if you're going to, um, you know, get a degree in a different you know, country in Europe, sometimes Sometimes they do allow you to work part time, do an internship. And I do want to for anyone out there who's like, you know, I already have a degree. I don't need to go back to school. Just consider a student visa if, you know, you want to pivot or if you just want to study something else, because student visas or universities in Europe are so much cheaper than uh, the U.S. and a big perk of moving to Europe on a student visa um, is that you get to build a network while you're you know, studying. And how do we get jobs in life? Generally through our network. So if you're looking to, to work in Europe long-term or like that's your long-term plan, student visa is a great way to meet the right people who may be able to open doors for you. And a lot of these student visas also offer, you know, um, visas that allow you to stay on after you graduate to look for jobs too. So that's a big perk. Um, if we talk about that retirement visa that that we mentioned, for those visas, typically you have to uh, prove that you can financially sustain yourself. So that just means you have to prove that you have money in the bank. That figure, you know, varies from country to country. It can be anywhere from about 10,000 to, you know, to 50,000, depending on the country and the visa. But if you have that, then you can move abroad with those. With the retirement visas, you typically cannot work in the country. So you can't be finding a job, let's say, if you wanted to come to Spain. Um, But if you do want to work, a digital nomad visa is out there for people who already have remote work but want to live in a European country. There's lots of countries out there that offer these. Like I mentioned, Spain, Portugal has one, Estonia, Greece. There's a lot of countries out there that are offering these. And then last but not least, that freelance visa I mentioned is for anyone who wants to work in country. So like with the digital nomad visa, you're working for clients and companies that are located outside of the country you want to move to. But with the freelance visa, you can work with clients in country. So for instance, Germany has a freelance visa. um, And on this visa, you could work with clients in Germany. And to qualify for a freelance visa, you typically have to show that you are skilled in whichever field you're working in. So you can do that by showing, you know, you have a degree that you've worked X amount of years in that field. And so, yeah, those would be the best options for people looking to move to Europe. So how long does it usually take for this process to to come into play? Like, if do you do it in the United States or can you do it in the country? And then how long are you waiting until um, you get approved or you hear back? 
Yeah, so this will vary from visa type and country, but typically you have to apply for these visas in your home country. So that would mean, you know, if you're in the U.S., you'd have to do it there. There are some visas that you can do from abroad, like Spain's Digital Nomad Visa. You can apply for for that from Spain. Um, But typically the amount of time it takes, I would say anywhere from about a month to maybe a few months. Um, When I had been applying for my visas, it actually only took me two weeks, but I don't know. I think there's just so much demand now that things are taking a bit longer. So give yourself a little bit of runway there to, to wait for your visa to be approved. Because also not only is it, you know, submitting your paperwork and waiting for the approval, before you submit the paperwork, you have to collect that paperwork and that can take time as well. Yeah. Just be patient. You know, you know, like that's, that's, it's going to happen somehow. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then once you get it, how long does it usually go for? Like, do you have just a few months or is it, you know, years? Yeah. So there's actually two parts. When people say visas, they also are talking about permits, like work permits or residency permits. They kind of use those terms interchangeably. So once you get your visa approved, you can move to the country, but you're going to have to apply for your permits once you get there. Um, And so once you get your permit, usually those are issued for initially a year or two in the beginning, and then you can renew that every X amount of years. Um, And most of these visas also will let you work towards permanent residency in the country that you're in. So typically in Europe, if you've lived there for five years on one of these visas, sometimes student visas don't count towards this or they only count as half years. But in any case, um, once you've reached five years of living in the country legally, typically you can apply for permanent residency then. So that's a cool perk for people who want to live in Europe long term. And then like the long, long game is in many of countries in Europe, once you've been there 10 years, you can apply for citizenship. Oh, that's pretty amazing. And now let's kind of pivot to if you do have remote work, how do you take that abroad and, you know, live this nomadic lifestyle or maybe even do what you do, Seppi, which is stay in one country and you just love it there and then stay there um, either semi-permanently or permanently. Yes. So I know this is a big problem for a lot of people out there. You know, they may have found remote work or they're like going on interviews and then they find, oh, it's not so remote, right? It's just like not work from anywhere. It's just work from anywhere USA with the um, geographic and the time zone restrictions. So I think if you want to take your your job abroad, first, you need to see if you can take that job abroad. So you're going to have to talk to your company. Well, actually, let me back that up. First, you need to see if you even have the legal right to live in the place that you're thinking of going to. So let's say you want to come to Spain. Well, as a U.S. citizen, you can only legally stay in Spain on your tourist visa for 90 days. So if you want to stay longer, you're going to have to see if there's a visa out there that you qualify for. If you are looking to be more nomadic and just want to stay in places for a few weeks or like a month at a time, then it should be pretty easy for you to be able to to do that abroad as a U.S. citizen, you typically can stay in countries without having to have a visa for that short amount of time. Um, but the second thing is then what I was going to say before is really inform yourself on if you can take your job abroad. And that's a conversation you need to have with your employer. So a lot of employers aren't going to let you take your job outside of the U.S. And they're not doing that because they want to be mean and ruin your life. 
it's really from a compliancy standpoint for them. You know, if a company doesn't have an entity in a foreign country, they're not going to be compliant with the local employment laws um, and tax laws. And so companies can get in trouble for that. And so they want to avoid doing that, which is a big reason why they're telling you you can't take your job abroad. But there are some ways to get around that. So have this conversation with your company to see if it's possible. And if not, you can talk to them of maybe changing your contract. That's, you know, an option. If you are a contractor, if you have a 1099, a freelancer, you typically have the freedom to be able to work from other countries because your company isn't liable for you. So that's an option. But another option, too, and this is somewhat new, is, um, you know, talking to your employer about an employer of record or a third party payroll provider. And I'll just like explain what that is real quick. This is really just kind of like a middleman that allows companies to hire employees in other countries so they can be compliant. So maybe your company or the company you're looking to get hired at could hire you through one of these third-party companies. But just keep in mind, this is going to cost your employer money to do this. So, you know, you have to really justify your your cause there. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely a lot of different options. And I think just talking to your company and doing your own research and being prepared once you speak to them is going to be really helpful for you to do that. So thank you so much, Seppi, for speaking with us today. If our listeners want to learn more about you, because I know that you have a lot of resources for all of this, where can they find you? Yes, definitely go to uh, She Hit Refresh on our website. If you're a woman age 30 and over, join our free Facebook group and you'll find the resources there. And also, if you're looking to move to Europe, check out my visa guide to moving to Europe. You'll find that as well. Perfect. Thank you so much, Seppi. We really appreciate you. I hope you enjoyed this extended interview with Seppi. Make sure to visit theoffbeatlife.com. Again, that's theoffbeatlife.com to get the full interview where she shares how she was able to create a global community for women age 30 and up who wanted to break free from a life of routine and make a move abroad. Hey friend, have you been wanting to start a podcast? I know it can be overwhelming in the beginning. Believe me, I have been there. Lucky for you, we have created a new site called howtocreatepodcast.com that shares a ton of freebies that can help you get started. From launching, growing to monetizing, we share it all in one place. Visit howtocreatepodcast.com for more information. Thanks for joining me on this extended interview. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes. We can also chat some more on Facebook at The OB Life. I'll talk to you soon.